Glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I know that we have heard the parable of the, uh, this parable of the prodigal son from the Gospel of Luke many times in our church experience. But every time I hear of it, or I hear it, I am reminded of the genius of Jesus as a, as a storyteller. A storyteller that connects us to our human experience wherever and whenever we are in time and space. Each time I hear this parable, I always understand something unique. And it's also, it's always a function of the time I am in, the, in my life, where I am in my, in my life, in my journey in life. For me, it's like seeing a masterpiece painting over the course of a day as the light of the sun hits the images on the canvas, you might see something different, a new orientation, a new vision, a new way of seeing the world. I'm sure that many of us have found many insights from this parable and all the parables of Jesus. Perhaps in this particular parable, the one that you know so well, we might find ourselves in the characters of the story. In my life, I've seen for myself uh, the image of the dutiful elder brother because I am the elder brother in my family placement. And the one who is never far from home, always doing what's called for him to do or her to do, right? The eldest daughter as well. But I've also seen myself in this elder son as well as the unconnected one, the one who is present but not connected to what's really happening at home. And there are times that I've seen myself as that adventurous and wayward younger son, a man filled with creative ideas who has sought to be successful on his own terms a young man doing his best to be unlike his parents. More recently, I see myself as the parent who loves his children and simply waits for them to understand his deep love for them. I'm sure you too can identify yourself in any one of these characters. This parable is often called the parable of the prodigal son, but I think it's more appropriately titled the parable of the lost sons. Because in the story, both sons were lost. Neither son, as described by Jesus, knew their father well. And this is the reason why Jesus gave us this parable. Jesus wants us to know God as Father, as a Father that Jesus knows and loves. To understand this parable better, we have to ask what's the context of the story? Where does it come in the, in the mix of the stories of the Bible and in, in the mix of what's happening in the Gospel of Luke? This story comes in the 15th chapter of Luke and in that chapter, we see that the religious people of the day are troubled. They want to know why this 
young, upwardly mobile rabbi spent time with those undesirables, with those tax collectors and ex-prostitutes and people known to be sinners. So they ask, pointedly, why do you spend time with these sinful people? And Jesus responds by telling them three stories, two before this particular parable. There was a story of the lost coin and the lost sheep, and finally the story of the lost boy. In the story of the lost sheep, God is imagined as a shepherd who leaves 99 sheep behind to find that lost one showing the extent that God would go to find even one lost soul. The story of the lost coin imagines God as a hard-working woman who loses a coin, a coin that some commentators suggest is a dowry coin, so that's why it was so valuable to her. But this hard-working woman turns the house upside down to find it. And when she does, guess what she does? She throws a party, the cost of which is much more than that coin. The story gives us an image of an extravagant God rejoicing even for one lost item, one coin. Now, the good religious folk who were in Jesus' time understood what Jesus was doing with these first two stories, right? They get the idea. They're like Rhode Islanders. They know what's happening. They get the idea that the lost ones, the sheep or the coin, represented all those lost, sinful people, people who were not like us, people who were, did not like, think like us, people who were different from us. They represented all those lost, sinful people, and Jesus, and they represented the people that Jesus was hanging out with also. But in the parable of the lost son, there's a slight twist. Yes, the prodigal. Prodigal, which means wasteful and extravagant. Son is seen as the obvious sinner. But that dutiful elder brother that elder son who never left the father's home and always did the right thing, the one who held, seemed to hold all the right values, the one who never besmirched the name of the family, they understood that that son too needs redemption. That son, too, is somehow unconnected to the love of the father. Because there was a wall of pride and resentment that separated him from his father. In truth, the parable reveals something most about God, the God that Jesus loves. For Jesus, God is the parent who waits in vigil for that lost child who leaves home. 
Even though the arrogance of that young man has hurt the father deeply, he waits for that young man to come to his senses and to return. And when he does, he runs out. He runs out to embrace him. Home. It's the same God who loves that obedient son at home, the son whose arrogance and anger won't let him participate in the joy of God. But that same father runs out to the field where that elder brother is to entreat him to come home. Come home and enjoy the party. The story, my friends, is a story about us. In the season of Lent, when we are reminded of all of our sinfulness, all that separates us from the love of God and from each other, we're called to reflect on the barriers that sin creates, but not to make us feel like we're terrible people, undeserving of God's love but so that we would come to our senses and return, return to God. The operative word for this season of Lent is repentance. Repentance means to turn and reorient ourselves to God. To reorient ourselves, we need to understand that we have been heading the wrong way. In the story of the lost sons, the prodigal had this understanding when in Scripture he says, when it says, he came to himself. When he understood his sinfulness prevented him from truly experiencing a life-giving relationship. The word repentance carries with it a sense of judgment and shame, though. It's part of our culture. At the end of the day, when we think about repentance, we might expect that once we come to understand our sin or our separation and we come to God with it, we might expect a judgmental God who seeks to punish us as we engage our walk of shame. But Jesus shows us a different image, an image of a God who has always been waiting for us, a God who longs to have a tearful reunion with his children. The character of this God is what Jesus wants us to understand and then to turn around and show to others. Just as a, ch a child mirrors the action of a parent, Jesus wants us, gives us these gifts of these parables to show us how to mirror the image of God in our own lives. We are to wait for those who return to God. We, the Christian community, are called to welcome them home. And when they come home, 
we rejoice in their return. We are to enjoy the party with them. For in welcoming and rejoicing, we affirm that we too have been found by the same loving God. In a few moments, we're going to be engaging in a sacred act right here at that table, that altar of God. In our prayers, we sacrifice. We sacrifice our lives, body, and soul, and mind as we reaffirm the image of God that Jesus gave us. We take in bread and wine, and we promise to mirror God's love to the world before we leave this place. And in the process, we understand and relish with grateful hearts that we are home and not lost. Amen.